0: Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed Play Love, a bite sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding, and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My son will be five at the end of May, but I decided to hold him back from school this year. After looking at all the research and knowing him as I do, I realised he's not ready. Still, it means that most of his peers from childcare will be moving on to primary and now he will be one of the eldest. And to be honest, I'm worried he's gonna get bored. I know I'm not alone. Lots of parents choose to hold their children back, particularly their boys. Dr Kate Highfield is an early childhood education specialist at Early Childhood Australia. Hi Kate, how are you? Hi Siobhan,
1: thanks so much for having me on.
0: It's a pleasure. Um, Look, parents can choose to hold their children back for a variety of reasons, but it's safe to assume that they do it because they think their child is not ready for school. What's your definition of not ready?
1: Well, Siobhan, uh, you might not know, but I actually taught kindergarten, as in kindergarten in the first year of school, for nine years. Wow. <laughs> a long time. And it's a really interesting piece for me because I don't know that a lot of parents focus on not ready in terms of academic skills. So they might say, my child's not ready, they can't hold a pencil properly, or my child's not ready, they don't know the alphabet. Now, to me, none of those academic skills are important for a child entering school. What is important for a child entering school is confidence and an ability to uh, separate from their parents and move confidently into a new space And most of the time, those are social and emotional skills, and those areas of readiness, to me, are far more important than the academic foci.
0: What about speech? That just occurred to me then. It's not something I've thought about often, but I admit when I listen to my son talk sometimes, I think, yeah, you've still got a way to go until you are properly articulate and able to converse with people.
1: First of all, I'm not a speech and language expert. I can't put my hat to that. But I would say from an educator perspective, being able to communicate is just an essential life skill. And that's part of that being ready from a social and emotional perspective. And being able to communicate your needs is so important. Having said that, I've had children with major speech challenges enter school who've actually performed and done really well in that space because they were confident in the other domains particularly in their social skills, their life skills, their physical skills.
0: So once their peers move on, children can start to resist going to daycare again. I know I've definitely found that with my son, that he's already saying, well, Mishy won't be there, so I don't want to go, um, and feeling a little bit unsure and lost without his friends being at daycare anymore. Can you provide us or give us some ideas of how we can talk to them about that so that we can encourage them that it's okay to be at daycare still and they'll make new friends? I'm just not sure how to convince him to go back, to be honest.
1: It's really hard, isn't it? He would feel as though some of his peers have left him um, and moved on. It's a, it's a really challenging perspective. I firstly would talk about what's going to happen in your early childhood context this year. Um, what's going to happen at preschool? What is, what is he going to learn? What other focus areas are going to be there? Perhaps there's an activity that he loves to do while he's there and so maybe really switch the focus not to the peers being gone but to other opportunities in that service. For example, in many early childhood and educational contexts they make the children who, who are the oldest children almost be a leader or a helper which gives them a special role of what they're doing while they're still, and to use your words, left behind, which isn't really the case at all.
0: And is it important to keep them socially connected with those friends who've moved on to big school, or is it just making
1: that situation worse? It's a really tricky situation, isn't it? Many times the social connections that your children have will actually be the social connections that you also have as adults. So I would hate to say, no, you should, have any content contact but what we do need to do is to prepare our children that these children that their peers have moved into another context and so we need to have conversations about what they can say if the conversation arises for example it might be with a child who has been chosen to stay back in an early learning context that you could help them say i'm going to be the leader this year uh, or something like that Alternately, it's possible that that won't even come up at all and then you don't need to worry about it. I do think parents need to go sensitively into revisiting those social relationships because it will be a different relationship now that they're no longer in care together.
0: What if you've made the wrong decision? I'm just being a worrywart here. But what if you've said, okay, they're not ready and then the flip side of that is that they're too old for their early learning setting, is it possible that it could be bad for them to still be in that environment um, now they're a little older?
1: No, 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 no. no. You need to put that fear aside. (laughs) Quality early learning setting will cater for all children. They'll cater for children who are more academically advanced and children who are less academically advanced. That's why early childhood teachers rock. They start with what the child is doing and then move from there. So if you're in a quality service who are catering for children's needs, that won't be a risk at all. It might be that now your child is one of the older children. He is more interested in some of the more academic skills. So perhaps the educators will start to focus in on going on letter hunts or exploring uh, stories and books in a different way with your child but that's just what early childhood teachers should be doing. It's catering for the needs of children who are in their context at that time. It is a great opportunity for us as parents though to make some changes to their routine. For example you might like to take your child to the library every week which gives you a new activity, that's assuming you don't already go to the library every week, Uh, it gives you a new activity to do together that could extend and build new skills that are perhaps a little bit more academically focused.
0: Now, I am one of those people when um, I think of things I can do with my children or for myself, that I am straight to the extracurricular courses or the games or the apps that you might have because I love having a different little avenue into what we're learning. Do you have any tips on ways we might be able to stimulate their brains, I guess, in that
1: year before school? Absolutely. What we're trying to build is a love of learning. We're not going to push... Academic skills on them before they're ready, but what we're trying to do is to build a real passion for learning, a real joy in learning, and a joy in finding out about things. So, being an uh, adventurous with your child is a really wonderful opportunity, uh, whether that's going to the library or going to the zoo or your local park and going on new adventures because that can spark really exciting things. Now, you know, I come from a tech background, and for me, I would then use the tech to document that, so to take photos or maybe use Book Creator to create books of the adventures you've gone on, or if you're going to the library, you could do a quick video on why we liked that book or why we didn't like that book and then share that with other family members. Thinking about using the tech to support those other adventures going on. There are lots of great apps that also teach letters and sounds, and we've talked about those before, or numbers and explore mathematics and patterns and counting in fun ways. There are lots of tech tools that we can focus on, but in some ways what we need to focus on is living our best life and then using the tech to remind us of that.
0: I want an example now (laughs) because when you said living my best life, all I thought about was myself on a beach and then swimming without children, which has obviously nothing to do with my child living their best life
1: or me. That is is the perfect example. You're at the beach. Yes. You've got your phone with you. We all have our phones with us. So take some photos. Then come home and create a book about what you've done.
0: Okay, I like that. i just have to really, talk to my boss about taking a day off. So yeah, I can... <laughs> it's a, go to the beach,
1: that's right. But it's a really simple activity where you could use an app such as Book Creator to put photos in and record the, your child's voice talking about what was in that photo. It's a brilliant skill in terms of building comprehension skills, remembering, recalling, communicating, so we're building academic skills. But we're also doing it in a fun way. So in
0: terms of the literacy and numeracy that we're not focusing on to get them to be the top of the class when they do go to school, but perhaps it might be something that they show an interest in, um, do those sorts of card games and I guess other play-based opportunities, are they a good thing, a good go-to for that year before school if you're, if you're able to spend time with your child and share those sorts of things with them?
1: Absolutely. Any activity that you can co-engage in is going to build skills. So whether that's a card game you play or a board game you play together or perhaps even reading stories together or you modelling your reading as well, any activity that you can engage with together is going to be beneficial and give you an opportunity to see where your child's at in terms of their skills but also give you a chance to know what you should focus on next. Because time is so short, you know That year goes so quickly, so it gives you some moments to cherish.
0: Beautiful. Well, Kate, thank you so much, as always, for all those tips
1: there's one more piece I'm going to throw in Siobhan and that's that as parents we need to reduce our fear about going to school and whether that's your fear about have I done the right thing or whether that's the fear about have I chosen the right school so as parents we need to become educated about making good choices so I'd encourage you to talk to your early childhood educators in your preschool or early learning context but I'd really also encourage you to read up and find some resources Early Childhood Australia and the Australian Primary Principals Association have a brilliant book called First Year at School, which has some essential tips for parents and carers and I cannot recommend it more highly because it's about educating ourselves as parents to know what to expect, which helps alleviate all of those feelings of guilt and gives us some great ideas to do this year before they go to school so that we've got a really strong transition.
0: Brilliant. Okay, we'll put a link to that on our website. Kate, thank you for chatting with us. Thanks so much, Yvonne. That's Dr Kate Highfield from Early Childhood Australia next time on feed play love we're talking to early learning educator anthony saman about resilience people who are resilient still walk in the rain they just know when to open up their umbrella this podcast is produced by elise cooper i'm siobhan hunt i hope you'll join me for the next episode of feed play love